Hey guys, this is Marcel from the Visual Friends for the Picablo Radio. Before we start with the interview, I want to say this is part number two. So this is part number two of the interview with Sunny Brown. If you haven't heard the first part, maybe swap over to the first part and hear this first. And before we head into today's episode, another quick announcement about the VisConf. This will be the first visual practitioner conference in Australia. And I'm super happy to organize that together with Sketch Group. So the visual friends and Sketch Group came together and said, let's try to organize a conference for everyone who works visually um, in Australia or New Zealand or everywhere around pretty much to fly in into Melbourne and to spend a day together as an unconference. So the unconference means that we run this as an open space format, meaning is that you bring your experience and you can create a session yourself as well as if you have a question you can just ask the question there and we might have a session around your question so everyone on this conference is able to run a workshop or a session around a subject and so far we have a couple of good names um, with a lot of experience um, coming together on on this day and we will probably have an amazing day we start very early in the morning with a fresh melbourne coffee then we have um, the first sessions uh, over lunch we have a full caterer who ha will have very very nice food for us and at the end of the day when we close the evening we actually have an after conference um, drinks at a nice bar if you think oh one day is awesome more than one day would be better we actually have pre-conference workshops that you can attend the day before. This is then Friday, the 12th of October. We have two sessions planned. One is about visual storytelling and the other one is about visual leadership in regards of session design and how you facilitate groups in front of a bigger audience. In case you say now, well, two days are now great, but can I have more? Yes, you can actually have more. So we put the Picablo training that we run monthly in Melbourne exactly before those days. So that means if you have attended already the Picablo basic class, you can join in again with the graduates discount that you probably know. Or if you haven't, then you can book yourself in into the Picablo basics class and join in um, the Picablo basics training. So you know drawing skills required, you start from scratch. This is your head start into visualization. Next day you have a special subject and on the fourth day in this way, on Saturday, we will have the VisCon conference. So it's like four days of energy if you like. And you find all this on visconf.com.au. Ah, last but not least, one last thing. If you are think I can't wait until October, we have our public training in Melbourne coming up. There are a couple of seats left, so check out the um, website visualfriends.com.au. And if you're somewhere around the globe, let's say in America or so, then please go to bicablo.com. Bicablo.com. This is B-I-K-A-B-L-O dot com and you find a full schedule of all the different countries on there with all the Picablo trainings that we run. This is the second part of the interview with Sunny Brown, recorded on the 18th of September 2018. 
In the first part of this episode, you learned a lot about Sunny Brown's life and her first years as an entrepreneur, from struggling to make a living to be one of the top speakers and best-selling authors in the field. We followed her journey step by step, from working for The Grove, one of the first visual thinking consultancies on the planet, before she moved to Texas, where she started her own business. In the second episode, we found out more about her work as an author and why writing a dragon and writing a book is a similar challenge. We talk about the serendipity that she got invited to TED 2011 and how she prepared for months for the six minutes that has inspired more than 1.4 million people. We compare the skill of graphic recording with sketchnoting, do a quick ask round and brainstorm together about the upcoming keynote at the VisConf 2011. By the way, the ticket is selling out quickly, so if you haven't booked a ticket, get one now. We hear about her experience at TED and her work on the upcoming book, Deep Self Design, that helps you to reach your goals in life. And without any further talk, we go back into the interview where Sunny were looking for a picture on Instagram. You can actually see this picture yourself on the blog post or on her Instagram. So please enjoy the second part of the interview with Sunny Brown, recorded on the 18th of September 2018. Hello. Hello. Okay. You're back. I don't know if the picture will show up. It's on Instagram, but it's like the first time I used Instagram happened to coincide with the arrival of the book at my house. And that happened to coincide with this uh, graphic recorder named Kelly Kingman being at my house in Austin. And um, I was giddy to say the least. And you'll see that on my face in this picture because I look back at it and I'm like, oh my God, you'd think I could just die. Like my, like my life was complete. I was like, I... I can die. I have done this thing, you know, and like, then it turns as, as it turns out, there's more books in there. And so I have to ride more dragons, you know, but, um, but it's fun. And I, I'm getting there. Sorry, you guys, maybe this is one of those parts that you, um, remove. <laughs> Not at all. No chance. <laughs> it's thinking it over, but, uh, But I would, I would love to, I, okay, I'm curious about that too, because I think yeah. um, a lot of your people, I wonder how many of your people that are attending ultimately want to create content from their practice, you know, or do, I mean, there's a lot of visual thinking books coming out, you know, mm. there's mm. one that my friend, uh, she, I don't know her well, but her name's Kara Holland and it was called her, her Instagram is drawing change and her book just came out about small businesses, draw your small business model or something. Mm -hmm. So, so I don't know what your book idea would be. It's still processing on Instagram, but what would, what would it, what's like the general impetus? So it's probably around why I called the company visual friends. So for me, mm -hmm. it's, it's about transforming companies to be a greater place of gathering people um, from politics towards friendship. So like in, in the way that you work, so I have been an agile coach for, for, for 10 years and I have seen business transformations like 30, 40 times at different yeah. companies. And I just feel um, visualization and, and drawing together has, has those, this deep impact. And um, yeah, it, it, and I have transformed lives like just by, by giving them the, the skill of, of um, doodling or like a visual facilitation as I call it. Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. in this way, um, um, and I just, 
yeah, I, I actually don't know mm-hmm. where I focus more on personal stories of, of people, how they, how they change their life um, through that, or like more um, giving up a recipe of how you can use that to basically mm-hmm. in the end come to a, a nicer, greater culture in your company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would be the second one because people are looking for what's in it for them, the mm-hmm. reader, you know? So the reader is always going to walk away like, what promise did he just make to me? And did he fulfill that promise in the book? You know, like we're so self-centered. All, all we really care about is our own, <laughs> you know, so it's always like, ah, ah, it won't load. But yeah, no, but I bet you have some great content. Like you said yes, just we, earlier, we, oh, you, you might have to get more experience, but you have enough. And on our timeline. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I'm no, loving no, no. this timeline. It, keeps us it becomes a running. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, um, so, so you, you managed this dragon. You received your first copy of the book. I, I haven't seen the picture, but I'm just seeing Sunny jumping up and down in my mind, at least. Um, is, yes. it, is it roughly what it was? Or yes, I was giddy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Like there were cartwheels involved. <laughs> it was, it was a good day, you know? Yeah. And then right at that is a short lived moment where you're like, Oh yeah, this is amazing. And then you're like, Oh shit, people are going to read it. And, and you then found you a mistake. It all back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how embarrassing then. Yeah. Actually, yeah. um, I have to say, I, I, so the title, the doodle revolution is, is bold. It's pretty cool. But then I, 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 it came to me, it's like, it's actually maybe coming together because I found the book, like I knew the book before. And then when you see a cover and you know a cover, then you spot it everywhere, right? And so I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, as I was flying regular, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, all those cities, Hearst and Adelaide and, and so on, I found it over and over at the airport um, bookshops. Yeah. That's in awesome. Australia. And, and this is a very interesting so thing awesome. because they don't have much space. So they really right. put their books, they put in the shelf there and your book was on there. It's like, That's the revolution surprising. has started now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is good because uh, airport bookstores are coveted shelf space because yeah. to your point, they have to pick. And so my husband, he never reads fiction like ever. He reads like calculus manuals and whatnot. And um, the only place he'll buy books is at airport bookstores because he's like, they have to be good. Yeah. So that's amazing. I had no idea I would make it in any bookstore. I mean, airport bookstore, you know, <laughs> like that's pretty special. So, so, so on that, like um, you probably then have seen that it, it's not sold one, maybe twice. It's actually selling maybe better than two books. You already sell then a couple. So how was that then? <laughs> so, so in the, in the, in the, if you, if you look back, like, was that already like the beginning of, of, the bit, like the company you are today or like what were the steps in between of having a team together um, on the, together at Sunny Browning? Yeah, that's so interesting because, you know, like companies, they ebb and flow. Like if you yeah. shepherd a business for a long time, they have these like they have feast and famine. They have like growth and then, you know, expansion and contraction. They have all those things. So at that time, I remember uh, – you know, because I had because both game storming and doodle revolution were born from content that was actually being exercised and applied with real people. So I already had clients and I already had a business. So just to make this clear, you don't have to clearly you do not have to write a book to have a successful business. There's no relationship between them. I had a business. It was awesome. I was delighted. And I could have done that for the foreseeable future. And that would have been a huge gift in itself. Um, 
but uh, but but I think at a certain point the the things that I learn I, I think for me for my processing and for how I understand the world I I have to extract it in a visual language way and in a linguistic way in order to um, almost like in order to like tie it up and then I move on to another challenge. So I think that that's what they were for me. They weren't actually calling cards for new business. That wasn't my intention at all. Although I think uh, th that's a reasonable uh, motivation to write a book. Um, but yeah, no, I had, I had uh, already a lot of work. And so, and weirdly, like, it's so interesting because when you do, and you, you have to be careful what you create because then you, um, are beholden to what you made. So like one of my favorite authors, her, one of her quotes was like, if you write a memoir, you are perpetually identified with that person who you haven't been for 20 years, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so doodle rev is like, for me, it was like, it wasn't the end, but it was like, this is all I have to say about this. Mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and then i and then and now i study a lot of other things right all of which are related to visual thinking cuz once you turn on the visual thinking capacity in yourself you can't turn it off like it's it's part of you it becomes mm -hmm. part of everything you do so oh yeah so anyway my next clients are going to be in different areas but i'll always be integrating visual language yeah uh, sunny we already talked about a bit about your first book like the game storming we talked a bit about um the doodle revolution but another thing in between was something that i want to read out to you and you mm -hmm. guess what it is um hier also eine neue definition für doodeln und ich hoffe dass jemand von der oxford english dictionary hier ist weil nachher ich mit ihm sprechen möchte hier ist eine wahre <lacht> definition doodeln ist das erstellen von spontanen zeichnen die einem beim denken helfen und darum doodeln millionen von menschen yes. does it sound familiar to you Yes, you're talking about the definition of the doodle. Yes, that's correct. Oh, your German is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing. Yes, I can see that. So it's, it's actually transcribed in, in 35 languages. That's, that's pretty amazing. But, but yeah, how cool. you already uh, thought about, uh, you talked about that you were hungover and, and you gave a lightning mm -hmm. talk about, or ignite yes. talk in, in five minutes to, uh, yeah. around a subject and then someone was in the audience to pick you. What yeah. happened from there? Like, how did you? Oh yeah, that's a yeah. great. How, how did I? How did yes. that happen? Um, so that is actually a fun um, sort of piece of information, which is that I had. So you know, I think I mentioned when I was young, I was very ambitious, and by ambitious, I don't mean you know. I guess I did want to be president, but um, I I mean that I wanted to make something of my life. So like, I was in an environment where that people were not necessarily inspired, or um, they were just sort of surviving. So I was very motivated. And so I used to have these lists, right? Lists of things you want to do, lists of things that are meaningful to you, dreams, all this stuff. So um, that habit stuck with me for a very long time. I actually don't do that anymore, but I, I don't make lists about what I want to do, but I, I have a lots of um, imaginative visioning that I do still. But one of the things on that list was to speak at TED, right? So um, and I still have the journal that that is in and I drew myself on the stage and I drew the Ted logo behind me and it was my, it was a 10 year dream and, uh, and it happened in two. And, uh, I remember being like, Oh no, like I, like I was planning on being like 50 
when that happened. So then I had something to look forward to. So when it happened in two, I was like, what am I going to do now? You know, <laughs> but, uh, but it was amazing because I, she, her name was June Cohen. She was the executive producer and she was in the audience at this thing called Foo Camp, which is an unconference. It's like a um, open space camp that I had done that Ignite talk at. She was in the audience. And I would say a month later, she called me. Um, I don't know how she got my number. I spoke to her at that. I remember afterwards, she was like, that was so great. And I was like, so I'm like, I'm going to bed. I'm so hungover. I look crazy. Like I did not care. I was like, thank you. Bye. And I went in my tent because people were tent camping. It was like the kind of event where you camp out. So I just went and crashed hard. You know, <laughs> That talks online somewhere too. It's actually really, when I look back, I'm like, that's pretty good for a hungover person. Um, but she called and I was at the airport in Austin and I, I like it had, I not had a chair next to me, I would have fallen down on the floor. Like I could not, I thought it was a joke. Like I was like, how could that be true? You know, wow. like they don't like, I'm not ready. I'm not, I don't know enough. I'm not important. This is not appropriate. Like I need to call her back and say she's confused. You know what I mean? Like I had all of those. Emo and then of course I cried and then I called my husband and I was like, I don't think, I think that that is real what just happened. And I think that they mean it. And I think that I'm going to have to speak at Ted, you know? And, and, and then there was a lot of preparation. It was like four months of preparation to design the content, to rehearse the content, to um, try not to bar, you know, like <laughs> it's intense, you know, especially for me. Cause I, I, that's not my culture. Like the Ted culture is a very elevated culture. It's very important people. And it just, it was, it's intimidating, you know? So man, it was scary as hell. And can I ask you a question? What was it that you had been drinking that you were so hungover by? <laughs> you name it. <laughs> like at the conference you know the, the author his name is scott birkin he's written a bunch of great books uh i just remember he and i, I drinking. oh you do yeah he's so cool he's so, and he's a great writer he's such a good writer he really is. Yeah. yeah and so but everybody there i mean they had i'm not a liquor person i'm a wine and a beer person so i'm i'm confident i drank just a lot of wine and beer you know Wine and I and paid for beer. it. Sorry, yeah. guys. Yeah. If you, <laughs> if you find that video, which it's easy to find, you'll you can tell that I'm hungover. Like you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost, I really almost did not give that talk. And I think about how crazy it was that had I not mm -hmm. given that talk, how so many things. So those four months of you, so you have a clear deadline when you had to be there, right? It's a it's a live event which was recorded yeah. and then published later. So. Yeah. Those four months, you have a defined deadline. So what did you do in the four months? Like just for the Thanks. listeners who, who like to learn a bit about public speaking and, and giving a yeah. good talk at the conference, well, how did you like came up with the content and then to, to, the, to the like preparation? Because when you hear it, like I listen to you now, mm -hmm. you, you were like super fast and super to the point on stage there. This is like, this yeah. was rehearsed and you can oh, see yeah. that. And it's so great to listen to the talk, um, but it was like really on, on the point. So yeah. you ended up on stage with this great preparation. Are you saying you that if I ramble right now and then <laughs> 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 are you saying I'm not to the point right now? <laughs> um, well, you see that, right? This behind yeah. me. 
So in my office at the time, I had one of these big white space on the wall and I have, I'm sure I have photographs of it. And it was like constantly changing story structure, story design, story structure. And I, um, I, in that, and see, this is the thing, like they, that was a six minute talk. So prior to that, Ted talks were 18 minutes and I was in the first group of people who they decided to shorten the format and let people have six minutes. So that actually makes it way harder because then you have to articulate every single thing you want to say in an elegant, short period of time. And that's what, you know, if you talk to a writer, that's what they'll say. It's, it's like the theory of relativity. It's like Einstein didn't make it uh, 400 pages. It's like a short equation, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, it's like that. Um, and that's why it took so long. Because it was like, I had to figure out, is this relevant? Is this interesting? Does this matter? What are people going to remember? Who's in the audience? Who am I talking to? What, what can I say? Like when I left in the joke about masturbation, my mom was like, how did that make the cut? You know? <laughs> and I was like, because that's just me, you know? And, um, and uh, so, it, but, it, but it wasn't four months, eight hours a day, right? It was just like, you have to go, you have to work on it, marinate, go to sleep, wake up and so forth. So it's just a really long design process that takes time. And then, and then you had a, like a public speaking coach or like you just native? You, just you know what's it. so crazy is I didn't get a public speaking coach until after TED, uh-huh. which in retrospect, I'm like, I can't believe that. I cannot believe I didn't do so, that. But who was the guy who was listening to you over and over again? My husband. <laughs> he had yes because I because I, I had actually met with a couple of other TED speakers um who who because they're very they they co- the TED people coach you not really but that you get to you talk to Chris Anderson the the guy who owns TED he'll call you and then he'll say you know here's some basic what they call the TED commandments so here's like 10 things you definitely do not do right so they give you like a little bit of guidance And then when you get there, I mean, I cannot believe they do this to people. When you you don't get any coaching prior to it, maybe you do now, but not then. And then when you get there, they have a coach who like 30 minutes before will give you some breathing technique. I mean, I was like, what? (laughs) So yeah, no, I did that wing and a prayer. And um, I think they coach people now because that's appropriate to do that, you know, <laughs> but at the time, no, I didn't have any one give me. Yeah. So now, now I, I, I can confess something to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I, I know you have retreated me once when, when I did uh, paste, uh, posted some um, graphic recordings of your talk, but whenever I run the, the training and we, we come to the second day, oh, yeah. where we apply the, the skills we learned like from speech bubbles, from clean handwriting, from containers to structure and all those things. Um, We do a test graphic recording and and your TED talk is like done, I think at least 60, 70% whenever I do the training. So I've just just, um, like uh, looked up how many trainings I have run over the last four years and it's like over 50. And if we have like 10 people in average in the class, we have more than 500 recordings of your talk from the students. So it's like, there's a massive account, like a number of flip shot paper. (laughs) I'm just imagining what it's like to be them. You know, they're so nervous and stressed out. 
And, and, and this is like a really cool, um, so I, I probably can recite your TED talk pretty much. <laughs> it sounds completely creepy by now, I, I know. No, but if you've heard <laughs> but, it that but, many times. But it, this is like, this is like a thing. I, it, it's not about me. It's like they are new to the visualization technique, new to this. And you, your talk is probably one of the, the best to the point for a new mm -hmm. starter. So mm -hmm. it's like one of the best content as we need a TED or a good video. This is mm -hmm. like the one we choose. But mm -hmm. this is what I need to confess. We mm -hmm. watch your first, the seven minutes or the six minutes live as you are on stage, but no one can record that talk in six minutes. So I have oh, to yeah. slow you down. Yeah, of and, course. And, and so what I do is we, they meet you first, but then I have, a, <laughs> have an MP3 of your talk. No wonder you know it by heart. You've heard it backward and forward and slow and five times, two times. Speed. Oh my God. So you're speaking actually often in 50% of the speed. Which wow. Speed. Does it change the pitch of my voice? Slightly. Huh. Yes. Interesting. But it, it, it's, it's, um, it's really the people appreciate that very much. And they get so much out of it. And the people learn in the same way um, how different their graphic recordings are because they all hear different things. Maybe one person uh, has a lot of content in the beginning and then relaxes and, and has all the misconceptions about uh, doodling. And then the yeah. other person waits until the end and has the, the onto the point, your, your last couple of lines or something. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. And then you look around the room. So we do a walk the roll uh, and, and go around. And, um, oh, that is awesome. And, and uh, yeah, so, so um, why I'm telling you that? So... <laughs> So we have many different versions of it and you can really see how people listen to different things. And, and I think this is an interesting thing um, when we talk about graphic recordings. Yeah. They are not um, just one version and this is the truth. It's like it's a personal version, interpretation of, of what the content is about. Yeah. Um, so you have the same experience? What do you, what do you say about that? Well, that's a, actually a, a very fine point on a, a practice because the way that I was trained at the Grove was that you have to have fidelity to the languaging of the person. So, um, so I don't, so I minimize interpretation in other words, obviously my visual iconography and what I symbolize or what I choose to um, create in a, a articulation of visual field that is up to me, but um, I am not in my training. I was not allowed to stray from what they said. So mm -hmm. the tracking is really, really significant. And so, and I, and I think in sketch noting, which is like small scale, to the way I think of it is small scale, and it is more subjective, and it, it's more about what speaks to you and what um, you find relevant and interesting. But um, if you're a professional graphic recorder, this is just my school of thought, then you um, are not, it's not about you actually. Mm -hmm. It's about yep. the client. So, um, so I think that there's areas that are safe to be interpreting, but there's other areas that need to be really honoring of the actual content spoken by the person. So like, I don't want people what I train and coach people too. And I don't want them inventing anything yeah. that, you know, like, it wasn't there. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And yeah. which can easily happen because listening is, it's not easy to do. Um, yeah. And that's actually the training that I think people require the most actually. So one of the next things I, I had in mind was a, a quick question round. That is 
done in, in, in less than three minutes. Oh, and fun. you don't know the questions. So I cool. hope you trust us. Yeah, I like it. Okay, cool. So try <laughs> to be as fast as possible. First thought, best thought. Okay. And I just uh, come up with a couple of questions, read them out, and you just, whatever comes to your mind, you just... Okay, I'm going to close my eyes. Cool. And I just take notes and analyze your psyche. One second. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your favorite color? Oh, oh, red, but that's not true. Okay. Cool. Uh, favorite movie? Oh, oh, favorite movie? Oh, Dangerous Liaisons. <laughs> <laughs> if you could be an animal in the world, what would you like and why? Dragon, just joking. Dolphin. Dolphin because they're agile and they're uh, very compassionate. Okay. Favorite curse word? Fucking A. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you not very good at? Oh, maps. Like, uh, like geography. Uh -huh. So I can get lost. I will get lost in Melbourne, I promise you. And I think we had it already. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? A comedian. Also, monk. I would, I would love to be a monk come back to that um <laughs> tell me something that's true but almost nobody agrees with you on something that's true yeah okay nobody that, agrees with you on. okay that that nobody agrees with me on almost almost no one okay that uh we are actually responsible for the life that we create uh almost entirely um if heaven exists what would you like to hear god to say when you arrive at the pearly gates All is well. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, and, and the one is, one is a good one for me because I can learn something. We all mm -hmm. have ways to sabotage our work and procrastinate from time to time. How do you sabotage yourself best? Sabotage? Yeah. Like how do you procrastinate? Oh, uh, oh you know, this is going to sound crazy, but I don't. Um, I don't. And, and this is relevant for the keynote because I want to talk about that, some of that at the keynote, um, not self-sabotage necessarily, but ways that we limit ourselves from potentiating. That's actually what I want my talk to be about. So that, that you find your full potential in life. Yes. Yes. Which is in a nice way, uh, um, something that comes to your new project, if I'm right, which is yeah. like a new book. It's called Deep Self-Design. And uh -huh. for me, as, a, as I found this on, on your website, when you talk about the upcoming book, you can actually go to the website of Sunny and subscribe when it's out. So you get mm -hmm. an email probably. Which will be like 40 years from now. 40 years from now, <laughs> when you come out of the cave. <laughs> yes, out of your retreat. <laughs> it's actually not deep self-design, it's even deep space nine self-design, which I found yeah. really cool as a trackie. Yeah. So um, can you talk a bit about that? What is, what is it about? Well, it's funny that earlier, Matthew mentioned Tony Robbins, right? Because um, uh, I think, I know people think, who knows what they think about him, but regardless, there's some deep expertise there. And what, what I have experienced being around humans who are, uh, for a long time, have facilitated thousands and thousands of people and worked and trained with a lot of people. And the biggest obstacle is ourselves you know, period. And it's, it's not your external circumstances. It's not the fact that you don't have enough resources. It's none of those things. It literally is a, a limiting beliefs, ideas that get in the way and fears that we have. And so, and that's true for me too. 
obviously. So, cause I'm a human person. So, so I've been training for the last 11 years with some really uh, phenomenal teachers in that space. And I think like, that's probably maybe what gets you excited about training people is ultimately um, watching them move through things that are scary and then arriving on the other side and recognizing how powerful they are. And so that's what the book is about. It's like, I took some really, uh, I did a lot of study and a lot of research and a lot of application. And then I made a really simplified version of it. So that's what the book is going to be about is basically like how to get out of your own way, you know, so that you can do what you came here to do, whatever that may be. Can you give us an example of what, how you stand in your own way? So like, Oh yeah. Well, like when you were saying about self-sabotage, right? Yeah. So, if so, so who knows like what people say to themselves or what ideas we have about why we're not enough. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's very common. So people, somebody would be like, I'm not fast enough. So say they're graphic re recording and they're like, I'm just not fast enough. And they say that to themselves all the time to the point where it's kind of a paralyzing idea. Right. So that, that's a, like a tiny example, but we do this in hundreds of ways to ourselves at all times during the course of our lives. So that's why when you like, say somebody wants to become an entrepreneur and they're like, I don't have what it, that's a scare. That's scary for people. But the truth is they probably do have what it takes, but they just don't believe that they have what it takes. So you have to understand what those beliefs are and then externalize them, which is why visual thinking is so amazing you can actually pull out invisible content and make it visible and then you can work with it and so there's dozens of examples so probably with the time i have with the audience that's what i'll talk about so my, I'm my yes. yeah matthew because you me and tony robbins <laughs> so I, my, my brain tries to hold on what it is is it is it uh, like a self a coaching book is it like mindfulness practice book is it it's, um it's definitely is it a meditation book or It's a good question. So like the, because I do have a daily, I've been a meditator for a long, long time. So I do have a daily meditation practice that is useful for me to um, discern some of that invisible content, but I haven't figured out uh, if that's realistic for most people to have a, a daily meditation practice. I think people are really busy and um, there's a lot of what they call contraindications, meaning that Not everybody can sit still for long periods of time. So I'm not sure if that chapter, if that section in the book is going to survive. I don't know, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's ultimately like I'm going to teach a process of finding uh, beliefs that you have, things that you say to yourself regularly that are not accurate. They feel accurate. You think they're true. But if you, upon a deeper exploration, they're not actually true. And they get therefore in your way. So I'm just going to teach an actual practice and there will be games. What I, you know, like what game stormers would call games for um, understanding what it is that is in your, what obstacles are in your way and sort of breaking through them, you know, and it sounds like um, kind of cheesy, but it's, I, I've done it to myself, you know, like I've applied all this stuff to myself. Like it's not, I the, the risks I take are not um, accidental. Like I'm, I'm purposefully getting out of my own way all the time. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Um, I'm just thinking about it. Like, I'm, so you actually make me make, make me think. Is I'm I'm a daily practitioner of Tibetan meditation. Oh, nice as well. Awesome. And I have to say, when I say that, it's already a lie because, like, I'm not practicing daily. 
Yeah. So, well, so, you know, but as much as you have can... the conditions, and and um, so so a, a very smart man that I that I uh, learned a lot from Lama Ole Nudal is his name from Denmark. He said like meditation, mm. you need it's like brushing the teeth. It's, it's hygiene. Yes, you, you just need like brush your teeth every day for five mm -hmm. to ten minutes. That's that's it. And you brush your mind. Daily, yeah. right it's not yeah. like do it once and then it's done right no in, it's in, a life practice yeah yes in in this way so when, when people have no time um it's already an excuse because everyone yeah that's right that's right time. yeah that's, that's enough. right it is then it is then souls are making me feel guilty kind of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we can talk through that <laughs> yes we can help you through that yeah but see that's like your point uh marcel yeah. is exactly it's like um i would like to teach a practice that is for people who are maybe like matthew where they're not going to become meditators yeah. but it's still useful and it's still something they can do in a, a moment when they catch themselves sabotaging like you can still do that and so i i have um, developed this really simple Uh, process and then I, I've run it through like psychotherapists and deep researchers and cognitive behavioral people so I'm testing it and I'm running it through people that are you know PhDs and they know what they're doing so that it's a uh, it's so that it works you know mm -hmm. even for people who don't want to have a meditation practice mm -hmm. yeah anything else I you would like to share about the book like when is it out You tell me. I'm like, when is the dragon gonna? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have an agent. I have a, a. I'm close to having the table of contents completed, which is actually a huge deal because once you have the structure, then you put the meat on the bones. But you have to have the bones, and that's mm -hmm. critical. And mm -hmm. um, and then and then I'm wanna. You have to sell it, you know. And then you have to write it. And then for me, I have to doodle it, right? And then I, you have to set up your online platform. I mean, it's a whole business in itself, you know? Mm. So I wish it would be out in next year, be a miracle, you know? <laughs> But I've been working on it for eight. So it's a long time. Nice. And Sunny, how does your, how does, how do you run your business while you're so focused on this new dragon do you have a structure where you've been able to step away from that and it runs itself or does you're just happy to take the, the the valley of less work because you've got less capacity how does that work it, both so like because i i definitely i slim down my expenses when i go into book writing mode i make sure my life is not uh, luxurious you know because i know that i'm not that my energy is not in the direction of hustling um mm. and i also uh um have I mean I have a lot of people who still work on my behalf so um, it's not shut down I would say the business goes kind of into incubation mode mm. um, so that I can focus but it's but it still generates enough where I can live um, yeah. and 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 that's used to be really scary for me and, and I'll even like if I have to draw from my savings I will do that yeah. you know which used to, which it would normally be terrifying for me in the past but I recognize that um, that's part of the risk taking. It's like you have to take some risks in order to create something that you care about that's meaningful for other people. So now I'm willing to do that with much less uh, um, paranoia just because I've done it twice and I get that it's going to be fine, you know? Mm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you, you have to make sacrifices on all kinds of ways for sure. You know? Yeah. So if you guys want to run my business while well, I'm, <laughs> 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 that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, for me, it's in a, in a similar way. Like I'm, um, well, I have a very small but very great team at the Visual mm-hmm. Friends and they basically kept my back free to work with Matt on the conference. So yeah. on this, a huge thank you to Danny, John and Lisa on this. Yeah. And um, maybe we move, uh, maybe Matt is even the same. And uh, maybe yeah, absolutely. I, I um I have some amazing people that work with me, Kirsten and Shelley and JP especially, um, mm-hmm. who you know they they're helping out with this conference as well, organising bags and t-shirts and goodie bags and catering and drinks and all of that stuff. So um, are they going to be there? Grateful. They are all going to be there. Oh, good. That's awesome. I want to meet all yeah. of them. You will. Yeah. And good. so for those who don't know. We actually run a conference. It's on the 13th of October <laughs> this yes. year, which is soon. Yes. I know. By recording and uh, by, uh, when I have edited this podcast, it's probably, um, yeah, I need two days for that. So it's probably just three weeks or four weeks away. So I actually don't have a calendar in front of me, but roughly. And yeah. um, so. Can I tell um, a story? Oh, please. Oh, my God. Sorry. This was what I wanted to ask you. Yes, please tell the story <laughs> of how we came to the name Viscon. Uh, well, so so I had the idea of um, of running a large visual practitioners conference in Australia ages ago, but um, I was not in the right headspace. I had some some personal stuff going on that just meant I was not in a place to be able to take on something like that. Even though I was so inspired by attending IFVP in Atlanta last year and mm-hmm. the UVS conference in in Denmark earlier this year, mm-hmm. and uh, um, Marcel just emails me and says. Do you want to do this thing with me? I've booked a date and I've got a venue. And I thought, oh my goodness, the two hardest things to get started, the date and the venue. And Marcel has ticked those two things off. Everything else is easy from here. <laughs> um, yes, I'm in. I'd, I'd, kind of moved, I'd moved past the, the stuff that I needed to work through on a personal front and I was ready to be hungry for something new again. And because I just got back from UVis, Marcel was like, let's call it um, AUVis, but it was kind of weird. We didn't know how to say it, AUVis or AUVis or it was this awkward name. So we thought, well, let's call it Ausvis because in Australia we like to abbreviate things and Oz, Aussie, it made, it made sense. Um, and then when I was in Denmark for the UVS conference, I spoke to the, the team from Neuland who, yeah, you I know, love them. Neuland's an amazing um, company, family, family business that uh, really understand their audience of, of visual practitioners and mm-hmm. have a great, quality product yes. and we thought that would be perfect for sponsorship and so I spoke to, to Guido at Norland about um, sponsoring the conference and this awkward kind of conversation transpired and eventually we got to the bottom of the fact that, that Aussie is when you spell it out it really it really does look a lot like the word Auschwitz <laughs> and so <laughs> maybe not the best choice oh. of a conference name especially when you're asking a german company to be the sponsor oh, and so we, all of a sudden we thought oh my goodness of course we we need to change the name and so I we settled on this conf intervened. and um, I know, right? of course it, it, it was the right call but i'm i can say I, i'm german and mm-hmm. and uh, i have tested it afterwards with many germans who are fluent in english yeah no one else like no five to ten percent spotted right, it. Right, right. yeah and yeah. then um, uh, I asked John of my team and he's like, this is really, oh, this could be Auschwitz. I was like, man. <laughs> and so we had to yeah. change the name like overnight almost. Yeah. 
<laughs> but you it's got fine. A good name. Yeah, we're happy with the name and uh, it works yeah. well. And, yes, and it does. It success and, we, and it becomes bigger and, and greater, then, you know, we can use the name in different locales as well. So hopefully mm -hmm. that's, that's our vision for, for VizConf, to just get bigger and, and better every year. Okay, and, cool. Yeah, I'll do anything I can to help that process. Yes. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you well, very much. Being, being a keynote speaker is, is, is huge. Like it's, it's going to, I know a lot of people that have registered and they're super excited about seeing you. Um, and so it's definitely, we're off to a good start. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see them and I'm excited to see Australia. And I, I'm, I mean, I want to see Kangaroo. Is that just not happening or can we I? We can make that happen. Can it's you? actually very, very possible. Oh, really? What, uh, do you know uh, what time you arrive in Melbourne by plane? I think uh, like seven in the morning or something. That's oh. maybe still possible because when you drive with a taxi or with uh, which way ever, you will be, even a bus will be the same highway. Next to the highway, mm -hmm. look to the left. There's a lot of green. You see kangaroos in the morning and evening on this green. Oh. So no you can tick this box in the first 20 minutes in Australia when you are there at the right time. I think, is there anything else I should have asked you? Like apart from that, will we see us in person very soon? So for me, yeah. this is, will be amazing. And um, I'm looking forward to your keynote. Is there anything else I should ask you before we wrap up? Um, I, I think it's more, um, I, I really appreciate how kind you guys have been and how much of an opportunity it is. It's nice to be able to come and be with practitioners. And I'm more interested in, uh, I'm excited to meet the people and to learn what matters to them and to be of service, you know. So I think I've spoken enough about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we do a bit of research and come back to you. Yeah. And I want to say thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah. For coming to Australia in a couple of weeks and I'm looking forward to yeah. your husband to meet as well and uh, please greet him from Matt and me and Matt you want to say anything? No I'm just um, I'm delighted and I, I love how things come full circle and when I, I started UX Mastery and, and found I your know. TED talk and the book and did the video and then we get to meet in person and hang out yeah, and I'm looking so forward beautiful. to drinking lots of wine and beer with you. Yes, exactly. I won't be hungover for my keynote, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> How do you perform anyway? So we know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Then, Sunny, have Thank a great day. Guys. I will. You too. Matt, have a great day too, and I go to bed. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Such a pleasure, guys. Bye. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey guys, thank you very much for listening to the second part and to the whole episode interviewing Sunny Brown together with Matthew McGain from Sketch Group. I hope we see us in a couple of weeks at the VizConf and if you liked this episode and you found it useful and valuable, please share it with your friends. By all means, just give us a rating, leave us some comments. It really helps to get the word out and make more people interested in visual thinking. Thank you very much and see you soon.